This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today's guest went from armed robber to local hero and successful estate agency owner and entrepreneur. Mike Maisie is an incredible human being who has had an incredible story. He talks about it in his recently published book, Young Offender, My Life from Armed Robber to Local Hero. This man has had an incredible journey and his life is a testament to what anyone can achieve no matter what their circumstances. He was sexually abused at the age of four, by a family member. He became heavily involved in drugs, alcohol, and crime gang life from the young age of 12 and was in and out of prison several times until the age of 18, where he last went in as a full-blown heroin addict who made an attempt on his own life. Thankfully, he was not successful in doing that. Since coming out of prison, he eventually turned his life around. He's now been 11 years sober. He was awarded by his local council and police, a local community hero award because of the work he is doing to help others transform their lives since he turned his own life around. He is an actor, a doting father and husband. He is a host of Warrior Within Retreat and the creator of an online program called A Time for Change, which is a free online program to support other people transforming their lives. This man is an incredible human being with an incredible story that, like I said before, is an absolute testament to what anyone can do with their lives. I truly hope you enjoy this episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode and another epic interview with the amazing Mike Maisie. Mike, it is an honor to have you on the show. Welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. Now, you have had an incredible story from a young offender with a troubled upbringing to becoming a very successful entrepreneur and now a mentor to other men. But I know there's so much more that you have been through to get to this point. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and and your childhood and how you were a young offender and where you've gone from there, where you were then to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a broken home. My father, who was a drug addict, he's still a drug addict today, unfortunately, uh, left before I was age one. My mum came from a Roman gypsy background. She was an alcoholic. And so that was my pretty much my upbringing. You know, I had a, both parents in active addiction. There was physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect. There was all sorts of traumatic stuff like right through my childhood. And basically just grew up as an angry young man. I essentially believe this universe isn't a friendly place. Um, the people that hurt you the most are normally the ones who you're meant to be able to trust and love. And, you know, age 15, I discovered alcohol and drugs. I got into crime. I was pretty much the youngest armed robber. 
in in London at that time. I think there's there's 15 year old armed robbers now, but I was 15 years old, convicted of armed robbery and possession of firearms. Went to prison, spent most of my teenage years in prison, came out when I was 18, went to my first AA meeting. I didn't get sober then, but I did get sober when I was age 25. So I've been sober for 11 years now. And in that time, I've set up a successful business. Uh, I mentor other businesses. I mentor other men. I set up a men's retreat. I set up a free online program for people battling addiction. I go into prisons. I give talks. I've written a book. Uh, and I won an award from the Metropolitan Police here in London um, for all the stuff that I do as well. So, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's my story. That's absolutely incredible. What everything that you have done, how you've turned your life around. How did you turn it turn it around after all those years of living like that and being in prison and suffering from addiction, attempting to deal with your addiction and taking a few years to to get to the point where you became sober at 25? What was the actual turning point for you? Yeah, sure. So I'd love to say it was like one moment. It wasn't one moment where it was like that's it I'm going to change now mm -hmm. it was like a series of things so you know when I when I was on my last prison sentence I basically went into prison that time as a fully blown heroin addict how I changed was basically on my last prison sentence I went into prison as a fully blown heroin addict and what happened was I came out of prison a second time fully thinking I'm going to go back to a life of crime and and robbing stuff going back to armed robberies and all my friends were selling crack and heroin so I was like okay well I'm gonna start selling crack and heroin and I was the worst drug dealer ever I just used to take on my own stuff and so I went back to prison the third time as a fully blown heroin addict now I'd done this controversial detox and it ended up in like uh, me trying to take my own life thankfully I was saved by a prison guard and I was brought back to life but my mum came to visit me. My mum got wind that I tried to take my own life and my mum came to visit me. And it was at that time my mum had got sober. And all I'd ever wanted all my life was just one parent to be there for me emotionally. And suddenly I had that moment combined with a moment where I just tried to take my own life. Literally days earlier, I still had all the bruises around my neck it's from the rope. And, uh, and yeah, it was like that was one moment was like, oh, my God, like... I just burst into tears in this prison visiting room and um, and it was like, OK, well, maybe, you know, there's something else here. Maybe I'm not this tough guy that I'm projecting out into the world. And that was it. That was that was like one moment. But then, you know, it took from the age of 18 to 25 to convince myself I was an alcoholic and a, and a drug addict and an addict. You know, I never drank alcohol every day. So it was hard to admit I was an alcoholic. I just was a binge drinker and whenever I drank I knew I'd done really crazy stuff so eventually after loads of attempts at trying to drink like a normal person and failing every time I eventually you know put the plug in the jug and said you know enough's enough and really you'd think that would be the beginning of of you know the upward trend of my life and it was in many ways but it was a lot of hard work to get to where I am today and essentially the key of that, the key to that work is looking at me, looking at the man in the mirror, looking at the things within me that stop me from getting to where I want to be. You know, stop blaming, stop looking around for excuses, you know, look in the mirror. And, you know, that's a guy, that's your competition, the guy looking back at you in the mirror. So 
I love that. It's like um, what Michael Jackson says in, in that song, you know, the man, the man in the mirror. You said mm. that it was it was really difficult. So you talk about stop blaming. How do you do that? You know, it's obviously yeah. a difficult challenge to to make the change and you were having massive change in your life from the lifestyle that you had to becoming mm. sober sober and on the way to building this successful life and business. What are some mm. practical things that you actually did? So the first thing I had to do was try and understand what was going on for the people that done the things to me when I was a kid. And somehow I had to find forgiveness. So it wasn't my fault what happened to me. I was an innocent little kid. But it's my responsibility to figure out how am I going to live with this stuff so it doesn't hold me back going forward. And for me, the key was forgiveness. And to forgive, I had to fi really figure out like what went on. And so for me, you know, my one of my my the guy who sexually abused me was my uncle Tommy. He grew up in a children's home run by nuns and priests from the Catholic Church. All he knew all his life was physical and sexual abuse. So when he came to live with us and he'd done the same thing to me, he was just repeating what was done to him what he thought was normal that's all he'd known he went into a, a children's home when he was a baby he was less than a year old yeah, wow. and so in that wow. I could I could sort of see his innocence I could be like okay he didn't he wasn't born a bad person he was born into this world that's all he knew all his life he was passing on something to me that he thought was normal and in that then I was able to forgive him you know, and it's funny when I was able to forgive him and see his innocence, I suddenly thought, well, if he's innocent, then maybe I'm innocent, too. Maybe, you know, all the crazy stuff I'd done that landed me in prison. Maybe it was life that chipped away at me and made me that way. And then I sort of I forgave everyone else. And then I was able to forgive myself. So. Yeah. That's amazing. It takes a really big person to forgive something like that. You talked about sexual abuse, that your uncle sexually abused you and you found it within your heart and I, I guess through a lot of work on yourself and personal development to take responsibility for where you were in your life and, and forgive someone who had done something quite hurtful to you. Mm. Do you feel that forgiveness is something you do when you forgive a person, even yourself, something that you do in one instant or is it something that's ongoing? I tend to think that it's something that that we work that we work at. It's a work in progress. Yeah, of course. And I think people get forgiveness mixed up a lot of the times. Forgiveness isn't like the end of having any negative feelings towards that person. You know, I don't suddenly say, oh, I forgive my Uncle Tommy and, and I'm not upset with him anymore. At times I still feel like angry at him, you know, but I always come back to his innocence. You know, come back to the thought that like when he was born, when he come out of his mother's womb, he wasn't a bad person. Yeah, he true. wasn't born, born an evil person. You know, he life chipped away at him and, you know, he he ended up as this human being. And I think that goes for all of us. I don't think anyone was born a bad person. I think life chips away at us. And, you know, if I want to be forgiven for the things I've done wrong, because I don't believe anyone's perfect, you have to forgive others first. I absolutely agree with that philosophy and the fact that, you know, no one is born bad. Um, it just depends on on circumstances. And it's interesting how some people can have a um, certain set of circumstances and another set of similar circumstances 
but turn out completely different just depending on the choices that they tend to make. But taking responsibility is is such a big part of that. You've mentioned before that you were involved in a little bit of work with Tony Robbins. Yeah. How impactful was that in your life going and doing some personal development? Yeah, yeah, it was massive. I mean, Tony Robbins was just one piece of the puzzle, you know, like mm-hmm. it was massive though because for me, I never ever had like a, a a proper permanent job most of my life. All the money I got was from crime and living and hustling. And then when I got sober, it was like I had this sponsor who was like a coach and I'd done the 12-step program from Alcoholics Anonymous. That was like the foundation for change within me as a human being, the 12-step program. And then luckily, this this my sponsor, who was my mentor, he said, I want you to do this, this course called Personal Power 2 by Tony Robbins. And that really, you know, changed loads of stuff that like now where my world felt really small, I thought, felt like now I can achieve anything. And so that started me on the course. And, you know, following on from that, I set up a business and then I went and got a business coach. And for me, it's like, just keep growing, keep learning, you know, just keep, keep learning, keep growing. And that's, that's the foundations for all of my success is that I always strive to surround myself with people who have more insight, more knowledge than I do. Which is really a key factor in success in life and in business, isn't it? Mm, yeah, 100%. So aside from that, what do you do now every day to maintain where you're at? You've also been on the SAS, uh, is it Who Dares Win SAS yep. in UK, a TV show? Yep. Yeah, that was a TV show, yeah. I was That's on that quite TV physically show. taxing. It is, yeah. It was a really, really tough show. Um, and, you know, for me, exercise is has always been a big part of my recovery since I got sober you know it, for me it really helps with my mental health and my overall outlook on the world um you know I do that I do exercise I do daily gratitude lists I do Wim Hof breathing I've really got into that the past two three years Wim Hof breathing I do that every morning and I always do meditation every single morning I do it you know and then you know occasionally if things are going really well, you know, occasionally, maybe once or twice a year, I stop doing everything. So I stop exercising, I stop meditating, I stop doing gratitude lists, I stop doing, and all I do is observe, just observe what comes up in me. So maybe I might just become a little bit ratty with my kids, or I might become a bit ratty with my wife, or work becomes a little bit tougher, or you know, whatever it is, I just go, okay, I explore it and figure it out and try and play with it. Where does that come from? What What's being triggered within me? Where am I going back to? And, you know, because I think, you know, it's good to have these daily processes and it's good to go through life achieving, achieving, achieving. Sometimes I have to look into the darkness as well, because sometimes I find little golden nuggets in the dark as well. So does that make you feel uncomfortable? And is that yeah. part of why you do it? Like you... you in a way want to get uncomfortable yeah yeah definitely I seek I seek that place within myself that is that is uncomfortable that is painful that's what I look for you know I seek that out and is that because you said you'll find golden nuggets and and more areas to grow in your life a hundred percent yeah so like for instance if I stop meditating 
-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that happens to me is that I stop getting these really great ideas. Okay, so where do I go then without these great ideas? I start looking in other areas for great ideas. Okay, are them ideas good that you get? No, they're not. Okay, so you then build up another reason why you should do it every day, which you didn't know you had unless you had to stop doing it. You know, it's like so, a re reinforcement. So, so it reinforces it. But also another bit of it is like when you stop doing the things that are good for you, where, where do you go back to as a human being? Like for me, pretty quickly, I go back to um, a similar space of how my stepdad used to run the house. My stepdad was quite he was quite aggressive and a, and, and, and a real bully. Mm -hmm. and although I don't go back to that in that intensity I do go I'm heading in that direction when I stop looking after myself I become a bit ratty with my wife and my kids and it's like okay if I if I left this long enough would I go back to there who knows maybe I would you know okay so maybe there's something I need to learn here is when these feelings are coming up in me and I'm being ratty how about if when them feelings come up Instead of being ratty, I could communicate in a different way. And maybe I just need to learn something new about communication or parenting. So then I'll go, OK, that's a little bit of a golden nugget. What will I do? I'll go and buy a book on communication or parenting, read up on it. And so that's what I mean. Like in that in that pain and in that being ratty, you go, oh, I'm being ratty because I don't really know how to communicate my feelings here. Okay, we'll go and learn how to do your feelings and now go back to doing what works for you. So you don't yeah, stay I, too long, but you get the gold, you extract the gold from it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. And um, I agree. I do the same sort of thing myself. Like when things are painful and uncomfortable, like you said, there's all these golden nuggets, but it's not somewhere that you want to stay too for too long because you can potentially go back to to I guess the old habits the habits that we had for so many years in our life so it's also a good reminder I guess like you mentioned to go back to those daily habits that help you yeah. create a life that you love yeah I think so and I think for me it's also a good reminder that you know I am a human you know like and a human has to feel a whole range of emotions not just good emotions all the time and so it's allowing yourself to feel that full range. Sometimes I can be sad. Sometimes I can be happy. Sometimes I can be ratty. Sometimes I can be full of joy. And it's like trying not to can put my emotions in a box where I have to be a certain way every day, you know, feeling all of them, you know. And so I really embrace the sadness as well as the joy. Yeah, because there's lessons in all of it, isn't there? Yeah, well, you can't really feel if, if you only feel joy you know it's impossible to feel joy all the time but if you only narrow it down to one emotion you're you're narrowing your experience of life in my opinion life is to be experienced in all its full capacity its full range of emotion yeah true and we were I mean we we're born with all these emotions to feel them not just to feel one and I, I like to say that you know you couldn't enjoy the beautiful view from the top of a, a summit or a mountain if there were no valleys or peaks and yeah. that's just like life. There's no peaks without valleys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And that's why I think, you know, if you're if when them valleys and peaks are coming up and they're hard, 
and you're checking out, you're going to the pub or the bar and numbing that stuff out with alcohol or drugs or sex or food or gambling, whatever it is, you're not going to grow. The reason I've, I have grown so far in my life is because when things have got hard, I haven't checked out. I haven't gone and had a had a beer or, or some weed or or a line of cocaine or gone to the strip club or gone and gambled my money. You know, I've sat with my feelings, processed what's come up for me, learned the lesson of what either what I shouldn't do or what I should be doing and then grow from it. So for people who are battling with some sort of addiction or wanting to check out, even if they don't have a specific addiction, but life's just tough and they're not really happy, they're wanting to check out rather than sit and deal with those emotions, what would you suggest they do? Because it can be really hard, especially if you don't have the right sort of support. If you're in in an environment where you've got people all around you doing the same sort of thing, which I imagine was maybe like the way you grew up the people you were hanging out with when you got into your armed robbery and and your addiction and your drugs yeah yeah I think like everyone has to hit their rock bottom of it and I think just keep it in your keep it in your awareness and keep an eye on the people around you that you want to be like and follow what they do you know like you have to think to yourself this like if you wanted to be a really good football player you'd hang out with like someone like David Beckham yeah mm-hmm. if you want like to be a successful life coach you you just look at tony robbins and how does he live his life tony robbins don't drink or take drugs there's no coincidence there yeah Mm -hmm. so and it's the same like if you want to live a happy successful life find someone who's got that life and and just mimic what they do you know that's that'd be my advice you know but like anything you'll only really change when it gets painful enough when you really when you're really sick to death of living the life you're living that's when change happens it happens in an instant you need to get that leverage on yourself don't you yeah you need to just become sick and tired of it you know so going back to the changes you've made in your own life you would have obviously had a whole bunch of negative and toxic type people around you how were you able to completely remove yourself? Did you just cut these people out of your life, the people that you used to hang out with, and any of the people that you did used to hang out with when you were younger and, and doing drugs and, and offences, have any of them transformed their own lives? Or have well, you been the only one that's sort of broken away? Yeah, in my old neighbourhood, no one has. Uh, quite a few of them are dead now from drug overdoses. A lot of them are doing long sentences in prison. Yeah, I was like quite rare in my community. I was I was quite lucky that I was one of the no one else has got to where I am basically. Not just in my community. I don't know any anyone who's had the life like I've had and got to where I am. I don't think I know anyone. You know, but my community definitely no no one really makes it out of of where I live this little pot where I grew up this little pocket in London. Everyone's still there you know um and sort of you've got a, for me it was like part of my i've been sober 11 years and part of that is relationship management so okay. like relationship management looks like this a start a middle and an end it's like a story yeah so the start is a lot of people jump into a, a, a new friendship or relationship for someone of the opposite sex 
or not, if you, if that's your preference. They jump into it without really analysing, is this relationship going to be good for me? And the middle is like, how well is this working? You know, and not many people really suss that out either. They're not really suss it out. And for me, it's like, I really suss out, how is this relationship working? Is this person willing to challenge my thinking or are they just a yes man? And is this person fanning my flames? So when I'm doing well, are they cheering me on? Or are they secretly trying to tear me down? Or are they secretly yeah. competing against me? And then, you know, having the having the bravery to end the relationship in a loving way. Like, I wish you well. No hard feelings, man. Like, I wish you well. If you need me, you, you can call me. But, like, uh, you know, I'm sort of, I just wish you well. Do you know what I mean? This isn't goodbye forever. But, you know, I just, I'm just taking sort of a step back. I'm, I'm going to work on some of my stuff. And I've had to do that over my 11 years of sobriety two or three times, big times, because like, you know, you have a set of friends and then once you take your life to the next level and you're letting your light shine, some friends either cheering you on or they want to tear you down because your light, your light's too bright and you're making them feel inadequate. And so you have to, they either grow with you or they have to go. You grow or you go. And that's like that grow or go. Yeah. So relationship management has been a, it's been a key part. And, you know, recently I've had the same thing. You know, the book, the book isn't even available yet. It's available to pre-order on Amazon. It hit all the bestseller charts. Two two friends in my old circle who who were really close to me, you'd think we were really supportive, have been completely off the radar. And I think it, I had this before when I set up my business and the business done went really successfully and that's when it shines a light okay there's people in your circle who you think are cheering you on they're actually secretly competing against you or watching how you do things because they want to get to where you are and then when you get to where get to the next level they either feel like you're being left behind or they feel inadequate so they can't support you so that's where your relationship management comes in yeah, you just have to be like, peace, man. You know, I wish you well. Like, no hard feelings, you know, and and just sort of let go with love. I wish you well. Well, people's reactions are always about themselves. So if you're doing well in life and people are having certain feelings or reactions about about what you're doing, it's never about you. It's always about where they're at in their yeah, own well, place. And, yeah, you know, 100%. A good, a, good, a good saying for this is, your perception of me is a reflection of you. 100%. So how you view me is a reflection of how you view yourself. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Holding up a mirror in front of yourself with the judgments you're projecting onto me, just hold a mirror up. And, you know, that's the judgments that, you know, you want to be aiming at yourself, really. It's the judgments and the ego, isn't it, that, that you see? Yeah, well, so for instance, like somewhere in at some point in your life, you may have took on a message from your parents that letting your light shine and standing up in, and being counted for was a negative thing. You know, now when you see someone else standing up and letting their light shine, it shines a light on that part of you that you've put into the basement to never let out, that you've deemed that part of me is not okay. And now you've got this guy letting his light shine and you're like, 
god damn this guy is shining a light on the on the stuff that i've put into the basement that i decided isn't okay yeah you know so what do i do i either get that stuff out and look at it get it out of the basement and look at it or i make him the problem i make him wrong and it's much easier to make him wrong and that's what a lot of the world are doing yeah that guy's changed he's he's this he's that he's blah 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 okay cool which is why one of the best things we can do is do the work on ourselves and, and sit in that pain and and just go through personal growth. And mm. I personally, I believe it's it's a forever journey. I don't think there's there's been a few times in my own journey where I've gone, yeah, right, I, I've sorted this out. I, I've, I've got there. And then I've gone, oh, no, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, has gone slap. Here's another lesson. You've got some more to learn. And yeah. years ago, I just realized that, yeah, you know, it's always going to be learning. I'm never going to get there because it's not about getting there. It's just about the beautiful journey that that life is. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And like I've had moments where it's not until you get to certain points in your life where you realize how little you knew. You know what I mean? It was I like, know, right? It's like, oh, my God, there is so much I still don't know. Like, it's just insane. Yeah, I definitely look back at my younger self and think, oh, my God, you know, I, at whatever age, and I just thought I thought I had it all worked out and, and I knew it all. And I think when you think you know it all, you absolutely know nothing. You know nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That's exactly it. I want to talk about um, the book, the new book, The Young Offender. Mm-hmm. and your work in prisons how did the book come about and talk to me about your mission the book the work that you're doing in in prisons which is obviously giving back sure so when I was about I'd say I was about 18 months sober and um I was going to AA meetings and NA meetings and I was sharing my story and back then there weren't many 25 year olds sober 20, I was 26 actually, 26 year old sober with my life story. Who'd been to prison that many times? Who was that young and who was still sober? And so and alive. Of, and alive. I'd lived through it. Yeah, I wasn't doing a life sentence. And they was like, so loads of people were like, okay, we want to get you into the prisons. We want you to get you to talk to the, the guys in prison. And so I was like really nervous about it. Felt quite inadequate. And um, anyway, I went in, had a massive response, and then I ended up just doing loads of it you know I was going from prison to prison to prison to just going around the prisons having a massive response and then it was like um the Metropolitan Police got wind of it and I got this award you know which was in the newspapers and everything and then I uh my mate my friend who's like like worldwide famous actor said to me have you written have you written your life story yet and I'd heard people say it whenever I'd go and give a talk in a prison, people would be like, you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I never really took anything of it. And then when I heard it from Tom Hardy, my mate, I was like, shit, if Tom, if Tom believes in this, maybe I should pay attention to it. And so it was then I went away and I was like, OK, I'm going to try and write it. And I tried to write it. I found it really hard. And then before I knew it, you know, I asked the universe for help and I went, I flew to Norway for my birthday. And in a Norwegian restaurant, there was only two English people, two English couples. And the only other English couple were sitting at the table right next to us in this restaurant in Norway. And it was Chrissy Mamby, who was a, you know, best-selling author. And uh, I told her my whole story and she was like, I'm going to write your book for you. 
I'm going to help you write it when we get back to London. And the rest is history. Well, that's incredible. And, you know, you manifested that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was it. So you run a program, a free program, which is absolutely incredible Mm -hmm. to help people with addictions. Yeah. So what I'd done was when I, I put this post on Instagram of like a before and after picture of me, a picture when I was uh, 10 years sober, a picture when I was uh, like a, a, about six months before I got sober, age 24. And uh, this picture went like viral. It just like I, got, it, I, got, I don't even know how many likes it got. But last time I checked, it had like, you know, seven or eight thousand likes shared like thousands of times on Facebook and Instagram. And everyone was messaging me the same type of message. I've got, I do this, I don't drink every day, but I am a bit of a binge drinker. And I found myself almost typing up the same message to every single person, like literally thousands and thousands of people. And then um, I was like, what if I just had a program where I could just direct people to and say, look, why don't you check this program, this free online program out? And if if you got a problem, you'll be able to see it in the first three steps of this program. And so it cost me money to hold the platform. I held it on Kajabi and it cost me, you know, it cost me money every month. But the way I yeah. see it, like anyone who's battling with alcoholism or addiction certainly doesn't have lots of money. And I don't want them to have to think, oh, I've got to pay for this to get some help so I'm like I'm just going to make it free I'm going to cover the cost myself and make it available to the world and I think there's about 300 people currently enrolled on this course at the moment it's called time for change there's a link to it in my bio on Instagram and yeah basically all the tools I used in identifying the problem understanding what I suffer from are in this program and um, there's been some huge success stories off the back of it actually you know there's been a couple of guys who've completed it now they're like I mean, two or three months sober. One has left his jobs. He's now set up his own business. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's great. It's it, it's there if you want it. It's free. It costs nothing, and it's it's a lot of the tools I use to get sober are in that program. So I'll make sure that I um, pop the links in the show notes for that, of course. But I just yeah, want sure. to honour you and let you know how much I appreciate you for what you have done for the people who are using the program and that are. Y- are still yet to use the program because I think we were talking before we started recording about changing one life is to change many starting with your own so if you're helping through your own success story helping one three hundred a thousand people make a change in their life there's so many more thousands of lives that are being impacted just by what you are able to do and the generosity of your own heart so thank you and honor you for doing that thank you the people that you already have Toxic masculinity. You've talked a little bit about that in some of your videos. What is toxic masculinity? So it's basically, so if you think about Carl Jung, do you know who Carl Jung is, a famous physician? No, he doesn't sound familiar. Okay. So look him up. I'm going to just talk about it in terms that you would understand then. So basically, if you think of like a know-it-all, a bully, a perpetrator of violence, someone who's disrespectful to women. Mm -hmm. And you can be disrespectful without being disrespectful to a woman to her face. Yeah. You can say things about her when she's not there. You can, you can be unfaithful to her. You can manipulate her. 
you can uh, manipulate other people um you can be a, a perpetrator of violence you can also create violence from a distance so you can throw a few things into the mix and watch the violence explode when you're stepped away from it you know that's all of it that's all that that is toxic masculinity you know enforcing your will on others uh, being a bully screaming and shouting throwing your weight around that's all toxic masculinity and you know we really need to redefine what true masculinity is you know and for me what it is is like we throw the term around oh he's a gentleman but if you look at it what is a gentleman it's a gentle man a gentle man you know and for me that's been the key in my life i've got two daughters and it's like how gentle am i and how approachable am i as a man in my house where i've got a wife and two daughters and they have been great teachers for me to help me just be really calm and gentle and approachable that they can approach me with anything they can even approach me with their anger when they're having a tantrum screaming and shouting and know that I'm just going to hold that space for them. I'm not going to get triggered myself and bring my stuff into the situation. I'm just going to hold that space for them to be angry, kick and scream, and just tell them I love them still. I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity in the world. There's a lot of people put on a pedestal, you know, who are, you know, like idols and role models who don't define good masculinity. And I think that's, you know, it's a huge problem. It's a huge, huge problem why the prisons are full. It's a huge problem why, why rape and women are, you know, got all problems all over the world. It's sad, really. It's sad. And um, I hope, you know, I, talking more about it, conversations like this help, you know, raise awareness about it. I hope so, too. Um, I agree that there's way too much of it. Um, Pretty much that's what how I grew up with a lot of toxic masculinity and have been exposed to it a lot. I have three sons, um, so healthy masculinity is so important, obviously, for society, but as a mother of, of boys, it's something that I feel is so important because I want them to go into society and the community as healthy men that are comfortable with, with their emotions, but it's so difficult in, in the way society is these days and... I think I find not just with my own children, but just with with men in general, they're quite confused in terms of what it is to be a healthy man, especially with women becoming more empowered and standing in their own power. There's there's a little bit of, of confusion as to what is a healthy man and what is healthy masculinity. Mm. So with your you run a retreat? I run a men's retreat. Men's yep. retreat. Yeah. With your men's retreat, do you talk a little bit about that? That's what it's all about. All about. That's what, that's what it's all about. So we base it off um, the archetypes created by Carl Jung. Carl Jung was a famous physician, and uh, he's dead now. But a lot of the work he done was instrumental in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous wouldn't probably wouldn't have been created if it wasn't for Carl Jung and the work he done with uh, with with one of the the founding members. And um, he basically believed the male personality, the male persona was split into four archetypes, the warrior, the lover, the king and the magician. And for us, the, the arena of masculinity, you know, falls in really most of it into the quarter of the warrior. Um, you know, you can either be 
in, and in every quarter, you can be an inflated version or a deflated version, or you can be a version in its fullness. So for the warrior, the inflated warrior is toxic masculinity, the bully, the perpetrator of violence. But he can also be a deflated warrior, like a wounded warrior, like paralyzed by fear. He's been wounded in battle and he doesn't want to step out into the light again. He, he's scared. He's vulnerable. He's a victim. And it's like educating men. OK, if I if I'm if I don't want to be the in deflated one, paralyzed by fear and I don't want to be the bully, then what do I be? OK, well, this is what you be. This is what you be. And we educate them on what does it look like to stand up, let my light shine, be loyal to a just cause, have good boundaries set good boundaries, communicate effectively, not resorting to violence. Like all of this stuff that, you know, we're just not educated on, you know, we're sort of, you know, we're educated on being the toughest kid is, is a good thing. You know, like sleeping with loads of girls is a great thing. And it's like, come on, what, <laughs> like, when are we going to change this? This culture of what men, a good man looks like in the world. That's what we do on the retreat. And I put you in really intense situations to shine a light on what voice is more prominent. So I put you in a Native American sweat lodge where it's, dark, it's completely pitch black and boiling hot. And I just ask you, what voice can you hear now? Can you hear the inflated warrior? Are you looking at the other men, judging them, thinking they need to grow, grow some balls? Or are you in the corner thinking, I need to get out of here. I'm too hot. I need to escape. And just observe what voice comes up, because if that voice comes up here in the sweat lodge, trust me, it's playing out out in the world in your life. So we do the sweat lodge. We do an ice bath as well. We run the same process in an ice bath. And then we do other processes, which I can't talk about. But it's, it's intense stuff. And uh, you leave with a better understanding of yourself, basically. It sounds intense and it sounds um, really powerful, Mike. How often do you run these? Because I'd love to to provide some information and a link for people to be able to come there, even if, I mean, we're here in Australia, you're over in the UK, but, you know, uh, I know many people travel for, for events and for personal development, so. Yeah, sure. So we run them twice a year here on my land in Devon. I'm lucky that where I live, I've got 10 acres of land and uh, run it here on my land twice a year. We've got a Facebook page. It's called The Warrior Within Men's Retreat. And, uh, you know, there's photos on there, videos on there. Check us out, you know, and uh, if you're ever in the UK, you want to come along, you're more than welcome to come along. Beautiful. I'll make sure to pop those notes in there. Um, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show and all the wisdom that you've imparted, all the vulnerability and the sharing that you have provided for us. Do you have a parting message? Yeah, my parting message is it's possible. It's possible to go through more pain than you think a human being can possibly go through if you read my book you see all the pain i went through as a kid it's possible to go through that to change your life and have a successful happy life and be a, a successful husband parent and business owner and happy in the world it's possible that's it my message is it's possible so you know stop making excuses stop hiding stand up let your light shine because uh, the world needs inspiration, man. We need people with stories like mine to stand up and be counted for. And that's a really, really powerful message. And your story is a really powerful testament. So it's so wonderful that you're out there sharing it the way that you do. Now, 
where can people find you? We've mentioned it through the show, but if you want to let everyone know the best place yeah. to find you. So find me on Instagram, uh, Instagram and my Facebook page. Both of them, the links are at Mr. Maisie, M-I-S-T-E-R-M-A-I-S-E-Y. So not Mr. M-R, M-I-S-T-E-R, at Mr. Maisie. Find me, drop me a DM and uh, let me know what you thought of uh, the podcast and let's stay in touch. Perfect. And the book is available for pre-order now. And probably by the time the um, the show is actually launched, it will be available. So again, I'll pop links in there and I encourage everyone to get the book. It looks amazing. I certainly can't wait to read it and you know speak to you again after I have read it because I'm sure I will have more questions. So <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thanks, yeah, thank thanks you so much, much, Mike. I really appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today, and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.